Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. This episode, I talk with Peter Maldonado, CEO and co-founder of Chomps, a better-for-you meat snack brand with products made from the highest quality, sustainably sourced proteins. We discuss how to connect with communities around trends to find customers in an organic and authentic way. We discuss the challenge and opportunity of positioning a premium product. And we also talk about the importance of focus and limiting the number of SKUs so you can better serve your customers. You'll get a ton of great advice from this founder. I think you'll like it. All right. Hey, Peter. Uh, thanks for joining me. How's it going, man? I'm doing well, Ken. How about yourself? Hey, pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, I'm looking forward to talking with you today. Um, I think your business is awesome. And uh, I think, uh, you know, there's going to be some lessons that will be really, uh, really applicable to the audience. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to uh, be on here. Hey, just to kick it off, um, is there a quote uh, that you could share with the audience? For sure. Yeah, I... Um... Okay, so one of them is actually Mark Twain. Okay, so this is uh, <laughs> this one's actually the secret of getting ahead is getting started, and that to me is like the biggest. That's like my motto, like the way we run our business. You know, I mean, it's 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 every which way, any kind of new task that we're taking on, and so you just get into it, and um, and then once you're in it, you can you can tweak things, you can you know gather feedback, and then you can make uh, make adjustments, adapt. And then, you know, kind of repeat that process. Um, so in my mind, that's, that's where success comes from, just getting in there and getting started. Yeah, I absolutely love uh, Mark Twain. Very simple um, quote, but very profound as well. So I appreciate it. For sure. Hey, so um, why don't we start off, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, your background, any hobbies or anything you'd like to share? For sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I was born and raised in Long Island, New York, um, had three sisters and, um, uh, well, I ended up going to school down in, uh, Palm beach, uh, Atlantic actually in, uh, in West Palm beach, um, started going to school for, uh, like kinesiology, more of like the physical therapy type, uh, focused, um, uh, majors ended up switching over to business management um, I became a personal trainer in college. It's how I paid my way through school. Uh, and then 
it was really where I started, started to think a lot about nutrition and, and then the lack of products that were out there. Um, and, uh, it was really kind of what, what, what led me to, to the business, you know, to chomps what I'm doing now. Uh, but in terms of my personal life now, I live in Naples, Florida. I've got my wife. I have two kids, a four-year-old boy named Maverick and a about 16 month little girl named Rocky. Flames Rockland, call her Rocky. I, I love the names. That's awesome. Yeah. And the names fit them perfectly. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, my, my life is, uh, it's work. I get to go home and hang out with my kids and then my wife. And it's, uh, it's about that, but it's, it's never a dull moment in, uh, in my life, although it's, uh, that's about it right there. So <laughs> I'm an easy person to find. I'm either at the office or at home with my kids. Um, there you go. Park there somewhere you go. with kids or on the boat. So yeah. Cool. So are you guys based in Florida then? Yeah. So headquarters is is uh here in Naples. Um and then we have another office in Chicago. Actually is where's where most of the team is based. Um we've found it to be a lot easier to get good talent up in a big city like Chicago, especially with the big CPG uh, presence up there. Um, So we've been able to find really great people um, there. And then we have some other people kind of remote, remote in other parts of the country as well. But um, as of now, we've got a fairly small team. We're at 23 now total, but yeah, headquarters is here in Naples. Okay, cool. So tell us a little bit about Chomps. Um, uh, what, and what makes it unique in the market for those who've never heard of it before? So we're in the meat snacks category. Um, what we make are just meat sticks. That's all, well, that's all we do right now. We don't do jerky. We do nothing else. We just do meat sticks. And we like to think that we're the best at it. So if you, uh, from an ingredient standpoint, um, you know, when I say meat sticks, you're probably thinking something similar to Slim Jims. Um, they're in this similar format. They're like single serve meat sticks. And that's probably the, the extent of the similarities. Um, from there, all the ingredients in, in our product is, are very different. I mean, starting with the, uh, the protein, we use grass fed and grass finished beef, free range, antibiotic free Turkey, um, grass fed, grass finished venison from a shelf stability standpoint, the product is shelf stable for 13 months. We do that with a combination of sea salt, celery juice, and lactic acid, um, the three three of those things that allow you to um, avoid all those uh, synthetic and artificial preservatives and things that these other you know, conventional products you'll find like a gas station like a like uh, what they would have in there. Um, other cool attributes of our product: there's no sugar added at all. So with the whole thirty keto, paleo, the, all of those diet diet tribes, uh, we fit right in there. Um, those are our, really our core core customers as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so from a sourcing perspective, we like to talk a lot about that, right? So I know I, I mentioned the grass-fed and finished. That's not a lot, all that we think about though. Um, there's three main pillars that we're focused on. The one is nutrition. The second is going to be the environmental impact. And the third thing is going to be uh, animal welfare. So when we're sourcing beef, for instance, we have... Um, from an animal welfare standpoint, all the beef is certified humane. I can explain what that, what that means, but there's a, there's a certification that from the uh, first day of the animal's life until the very last day, they've, they, uh, every step of the way, they've been raised in a way that's in compliance with this uh, certified humane program, which is very, very important to us. Um, from an environmental standpoint, we are focused on regenerative agriculture. Um, 
we want to make sure that all of the producers that we work with are going to be focusing on regenerating, regenerating grasslands. Um, so that means rotational grazing and there's all different, there's all different uh, aspects that go into that. But for the, the bottom line is that we want to make sure that the land where the animals are being raised is actually being improved by the way that we're raising the animals, um, which benefits the environment. And then the last piece is obviously nutrition, which, you know, all those things I already spoke about, all those nutritional attributes. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I absolutely love that you guys don't have any, any garbage uh, in your, in your products. Um, it's very, very clean uh, source of protein. Um, and, and you do uh, emphasize this a lot on your, on your website. Um, so is this something that, that you guys have, have always focused on from the beginning? Uh, how, how did you, how did you come up with, with, uh, you know, uh, producing a product in, in this way? Yeah, um, and then what are some of the, the benefits do you think that it brings to, to your business? Yeah, really good question. Um, so again, going back to my personal training background, um, I, one of the things I noticed was that it was really difficult for me to keep my, my clients um, compliant on the diets that I would set up for them. And a lot of these clients, so I was doing this up in, up in Long Island again, where I was born and raised. And, um, I had a lot of these, uh, professional people coming out from Manhattan after their Hampton homes and, you know, during the summer, which is where I would meet with them and train them. And these are super busy people, you know, and they're always on the go. So I would write up a whole diet plan and grocery list for them. And they like half the time they would just fall, they would, it would fall off the, the, uh, you know, diet plan. Like, so it made it really difficult for me to do my job and for them to see the results that they needed. So I was, was thinking, I wish that there were some products that I could say, Hey, go grab a few of these and, um, and keep them in your, you know, in your car in your suitcase, purse, whatever. And, um, and so that was really where the, the idea came from. Um, but the thing about it is when I, when I created the product though, I just wanted to make it as healthy as possible. Right. I wanted to make, make them taste great. So the, my, clients or customers would just love eating them anyway. Um, and it worked out really well. Um, you know, we have all of these certifications like certified paleo, whole 30 certified keto, you name it. Like all it's kind of like certification overload. Right. But thing to know is that we did not set out creating the product to check the boxes for one of these certifications. It's not at all how it happened. It's actually the opposite. Right. So we created the product. And it just happened to check the boxes for those certifications, which I think makes life a lot easier um, because we were just focused on creating a great tasting product that was very clean and it worked out perfectly, you know? So we, set, we, we haven't changed our products in the last eight years in terms of, you know, ingredients, what we put in there. Um, trends have changed, which worked in our favor, obviously. So our product just happened to work really well for the Whole30 movement, for the keto movement. Um, and so we've just gotten a lot of, a lot of customers from that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, uh, when you started, I mean, uh, you wanted a, a snack, uh, uh, to keep your, your, um, clients, uh, compliant on their diet and make it easy as, as possible for them. Um, but I assume you didn't know how to make a, a meat stick. Um, what are, what are some of the steps that go into developing a product like this? Very good question. And you're right. <laughs> Um, it's actually funny making meat stick. There's actually a science behind it. It sounds, sounds funny, but they're very difficult to make, especially a shelf stable product that has, uh, the lack of preservatives and sugar that we have. Right. Now. 
Right. Um, that being said, we happen to, um, so the first step in creating a product like that is finding the right manufacturer that has the equipment and know-how to make it in the first place. Right. So we happened to meet a, um, a guy who had a very small operation in Greentop, Missouri, who happens to be our current manufacturer now. Um, back then had a, it's, I mean, they have a much bigger plant now just to put that out there, but he, um, when we started with him, he was already making some, some product and he was selling them in little C stores around where he's from. Um, and so he already had like the, the, he had the equipment and he had the know-how we just needed to, t- to tweak some of the ingredients he was putting in there. So that was really what all the R and D, you know, that we had done with him, uh, and then created a couple of new flavor profiles that we wanted to launch with. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, that was the extent of, uh, you know, the R and D process. Um, and we came up with these flavor profiles very quickly and they haven't changed since. So we got, we got very lucky to say the least that we stumbled on of uh, recipes and flavor profiles that work. Okay. Yeah. How many, how many different, uh, flavor profiles did you launch with? You know, one of the, the, the things that I think a lot of people do wrong is they, they launch with too many SKUs. And so the business is, is complicated from the beginning. Um, how, how did you guys think about that? Yep. We wanted to start small because the biggest thing for us, we wanted to test, test the market. First off, we had no idea how these things would sell. So we started making two, two, uh, two different SKUs. It was original beef and jalapeno beef. And, um, we created a little website, got some Facebook ads, started, you know, putting them out there. The biggest thing for us was really to, to see if people other than our friends and family, um, and especially our mothers, which are, who are our biggest, our biggest customers early on. Um, yeah. Oh, your mother's like your, your mom was like a customer of yours. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Our moms. Yeah. Rashid and yeah. I, he's our, my co-founder, but both of our moms were uh, buying the product from us too. Yeah. But we were like, okay, well, thanks mom. But, um, we'd like <laughs> to see if other customers would actually pay for this stuff. So, um, so that's what we set out to do and we proved that out pretty quickly. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit, talk a little bit about marketing and, and distributing your product. So, so currently, uh, are the majority of your sales, uh, online, uh, versus offline or retail, um, what are, what's kind of the breakdown? Nowadays, it is about 45% e-commerce and then the other 55% would be uh, retail. When we started out for the first four years, we were strictly e-commerce though. But as we've, we've launched into retail, it's, it's a lot easier to scale that very quickly because there's so many thousands and thousands of doors you could be in. So um, Okay, let's see. And you guys are uh, on Shopify. Is that, uh, is that how you launched? Yep. Yeah, we launched on Shopify. Um, and, uh, you, you mentioned a couple of things. Um, you mentioned that, that, um, you, you guys were able to gain some popularity in some of these sort of niche, um, nutrition communities, you know, like whole, whole 30 and, and, uh, paleo, I, I believe I, I saw that you guys are paleo certified, um, keto weight watchers. Is there anything specific that you did to, to reach out to these communities? Not, no, nothing specific. It was really just kind of introducing ourselves. We would send product out. Um, that's, you know, just seeding, you send it, send product out, you get to get feedback from them. Um, and then, you know, for us, I think the biggest one for us was really whole 30 originally. Um, you know, with them, that was a pretty stringent, um, all, you know, audit process and they, they go through, they kind of get into the nitty gritty on every little ingredient. They want to see your spec sheets and all of that. So that for us was, uh, was big and it was a huge turning point for the business. Um, just having and being, you know, 
uh, getting that certification, they have, they had maybe 10 to 20,000 followers, I think on their social media at the time. And mm-hmm. if you're familiar with whole 30, you know, just how massive it is now. I mean, it's, yeah, it's grown a ton. So that really allowed us to scale our brand as well. So, to, you know, I'm curious how you guys thought about this. Is it a trend that you saw, you know, that they were growing? Um, were you doing Whole30? How did you even know that this was a certification that you should you should try to get? Yeah, so I was in the, doing CrossFit at the time. And um, it was really when I, when I came up with this idea for Chomps, I am, I had been seeing, you know, this various, the paleo diet was taking off, but then also I liked the way that the whole 30 was doing it. Cause they were doing these like seminars and CrossFit boxes. And I really liked the way that they were delivering the education. It wasn't just like, you know, here's a book or here's like a website or whatever. Like they would go into the box. They would, or the box is like the other word for a CrossFit gym. Right. And so they go into these gyms and they set up like a whole group of people and they actually have, they're in their training and they're doing these seminars and they're there like face to face, like teaching people way before COVID, by the way. Um, (laughs) Another time, right? Yeah. yeah. It it just feels like it was so long ago that we could do things like that. I know, right? Um, But yeah, so that was, uh, I I really liked what they were doing. I I just felt, I I liked all the the things they were talking about as well. It made so much sense to me. Um, And then I also liked the idea that they were, the people that were doing, I knew people that were doing Whole30s and they were having like incredible results. Um, So I'm like, you know what? I think this is going to go somewhere. I introduced myself to the founders and, um, and sent some product out and asked them, would you ever give us the whole 30 approval? And they said, well, you have to go through these steps. And so we went through them and that was really it. Nice. Nice. What about uh, some of the other communities, you know, like Weight Watchers or Keto? Um, yeah. How, how did you get involved there? Um, so keto was a little bit different. Um, keto, we, we, it was more along the lines of like the, the influencer communities. So um, there's actually a guy named Thomas DeLauer, who's one of our top influencers and still is. And mm-hmm. um, he puts out really great educational content, um, takes this like, really hard to understand science, science-based, you know, nutrition. Um, and he would go and actually put them in, put into like layman's terms. And so he's done this on YouTube for years now, but he's built up this uh, pretty enormous following. I, I really, I liked listening to his content for myself. So I was like, well, I see this following is growing as well. Let's, let's see if he would like to work with us. So I sent him product, introduced myself and, uh, he really liked it. And we decided it was a good fit. And that's really the way we approach all of our partnerships though. Um, especially if you're thinking influencer, a lot of times it's, it's, uh, a customer would, or, or an influencer would already be a customer of ours, or mm-hmm. they're already talking about things that are very relevant. So you just want it to feel like, super organic. Like this, these people are making this recommendation because they truly believe in your product, not just because you're paying them. Um, so I think that that authentic, um, recommendation is super important. Okay. Great. Great. Yeah. And I noticed on your website, you guys have an affiliate program. You also have a referral program and, and a wholesale program. Um, and, uh, it sounds like, you know, from what you're saying that the influencer, um, uh, program has worked well. Have there, is, is this something that, that you guys do as part of your marketing efforts or is it just more organic, you know, um, that they show interest or you see somebody that could promote your product particularly well, you know, what, what does it actually look like in, in reality to be able to get somebody like, uh, was it Tom? Was that his name? Yeah. Thomas Delauer. Yeah. yeah Thomas, you know, uh, what, what does that look like internally? Is it, is it, I mean, honestly, is it organic? Like, like you said, you just saw him and, and liked him and decided to reach out. Yeah. I mean, in, in no case would we ever reach out to somebody if, um, 
if there wasn't just an authentic fit, right? And so the biggest thing is you want to send the product out, you want to get their feedback. And if they're excited about the product and they're, they're pumped up or, you know, you could tell that this is a, a, a real reaction and they're excited about your brand, then, then, you know, we can, we can think about working with them. But early on, I will say though, we never paid influencers at all. Um, what it would be, was like, they would, somebody would get the product, they would post about it on Instagram and we'd say, Oh wow, they have a pretty big following. Let's, um, let's reach out to them. And that, that's really how that, those would start. And for the most part, that's actually how most of our influencer, um, uh, arrangements work. Thomas was, I reached out to him only because I really liked his, uh, I really liked his, his, the way that he was delivering the information. Um, for me, like the way I think about it is like you, with, with any kind of product, you need to be able to educate customers, right? So we're a premium product. You could be out there buying these conventional brands that we mentioned earlier. They're Mm -hmm. about half the price, or you can buy our premium product, which is has premium ingredients and, um, and it's a much better, um, option, but does, does the general market know that, you know, there's some, there's some level of education kind of required there. Um, and so what we found is that these, these individual diet tribes, they do that heavy lifting for us, right? So they're right. they already educating the customer on what to look for within their products. So it makes so much sense for us to be, you know, entrenched inside of those, um, uh, communities. And we just, you know, we, we do everything we possibly can to, to make sure that we're known. Um, but again, yeah, with, with, with Thomas, I mean, he, he, he was already talking about making his grass fed beef and he was already talking about all the ingredients, all like he was talking about avoiding sugars, avoiding all the, the types of bad ingredients that are not in our products. So I'm like, man, this is an easy fit. You know, he would love this. Um, right. so yeah, that's really how it comes about. Okay. Very cool. Um, and, uh, it looks like you guys also, you know, you sell on, on, on your own website, but you also sell in, in Amazon. Um, how do you guys think about selling on Amazon and how has that experience been? Yeah. So Amazon is, um, is a behemoth as we all know. Um, they, it is a, it's an amazing platform. We originally, when we first started on it, it was going to be like supplementing our, uh, direct to consumer business, but we, we mm-hmm. wanted to be able to own that relationship with the customer to be able to you know, speak to them to be able to send them, um, any kind of emails and, you know, education and all of this other stuff. But, um, what we found over time is that you just, you can't, you can't compete <laughs> with, with Amazon. It's just too massive. And, and what's become over time is the number one way for, uh, for customers to do their, um, scouting of products. And for, uh, from a prospecting perspective, there's, there's no other platform that can, that even compares, you know? Right. Um, it's just you, if you're not on Amazon right now and you've got a, um, an e-commerce based product, you I think you're missing out, um, from a, you know, a big portion of the community of, of the population and just shops there. And I'll we'll even find, even if we're doing sales, like let's say we're doing a sale on, we, and we blast out on social and we put a discount code to our website, people will still see that. And we see a massive spike on Amazon, even though they can't use that discount code on Amazon, they'll still go there just because it's an easier opportunity option for them to go and buy the product. They probably already have some other stuff in their cart. They add chomps and they're like, Oh, this is good. But, um, yeah, again, pe- people will, they, they go for, for Amazon all the time because it's very convenient and with a fast shipping and still all things that we just can't compete with. Right. 
So you, so you kind of have to be there. How do you reconcile, you know, uh, that desire um, that you initially talked about where you want to have this direct relationship with your customer, um, but, you know, they, they want to shop on Amazon. So, I mean, how do you guys think about that? Is it just you, you need to be on Amazon um, or else you're missing out or is there a little bit more to it? No, I, I think it's, um, you know, so for us, it, it, Amazon, we, it, it helps us build our brand, you know? So if you think about it, it's, if we think about we're driving trial, we're getting the product into many more people's mouths and on top of it, it's good business, right? It's, it's good profitable business for us. So the way that we feel about it, I mean, it's, it's all part of the omni-channel approach. Um, you know, and who knows, we, we get people that just show up to our website where we can't really pinpoint where exactly they've saw the product or tried it for the first time nowadays, you know, back, back when we, we were only on with e-com, you could always tell exactly where someone came from. Right. Nowadays right. we're in so many different retail stores. Um, people could be trying the product really anywhere. So we're not quite sure, um, in terms of attribution and where they're, where they're coming from. But in the end, you know, I just feel like Amazon, if you're, again, if you're not doing it, you're, you're missing out. And we know for a fact that if we did not have product on Amazon, we would be missing. It's probably a lot of people that actually buy from our website now too, you know? So. Right. Okay. And uh, just switching gears a little bit. Um, you guys are also in, in a bunch of retail outlets. You're in Kroger, Walmart, Safeway, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, and many others. Um, how did uh, these partnerships come about? So our very first cust- uh, retail customer was Trader Joe's, and um, they they reached out to us in uh, 2016, early 2016. We launched in August, um, so that was really that was a turning point for the brand. You know, we we were suddenly overnight just getting into the hands of millions of new customers that all shop at Trader Joe's. Um, so with that, we were able to kind of use that momentum to uh, springboard into other accounts and other uh, channels. Um, one big thing though, I would say is if you're a brand owner and you're doing the same thing, you need to go very slowly and um, be selective with the retail partners that you work with. Mm-hmm. We got lucky in the term, in terms of that, like Trader Joe's is an amazing partner to work with. Like they're, they're just, they're great. And especially for a new company and with your first, uh, <laughs> it being your first retail account, it's a, uh, it's a major blessing. Um, but, uh, so what we did actually, we, we decided we were like, you know what, this is a huge opportunity for us. We love Trader Joe's. We just want to be the best possible vendor to them. So we spent the entire rest of the year, like for for all of 2017, just focusing on being a great Trader Joe's brand, right. And, and selling to them and supporting their customers and getting all of our systems and processes and QA processes and all of that in, uh, in check. And then making sure that we were a great, uh, a great vendor to them. And we didn't launch another retail partner until over a year after our first launch with Trader Joe's. So why, why would you say that you need to uh, be selective um, about your retail partners? You know, what are you guarding against uh, by doing that? Yeah, they're not all great partners for to, to say, to, to put it bluntly. I mean, um, you've got a lot of retail partners that are going to be more interested in the upfront slotting dollars than they are uh, truly growing a brand and getting people to actually buy products. So there are a handful of retailers out there that will make probably the most of their money from brands and just getting a check cut to them up front to put you on the shelf with mm-hmm. no real interest at all in making sure that the product turns, that their customers are seeing it, that it's merchandised properly, that it's in stock. 
and it just becomes a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a drain, um, financially. And, um, I think it's, it's physically draining too, to be dealing with that type of a partnership, right. Where you're kind of, you're doing everything you can to, um, to be a great partner. And then it doesn't, it's not reciprocated. So it makes, it makes it really difficult to build a business together. Understood. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's important. We've used this word uh, several times, but these are, you know, these retail partners are, are truly partners and you got to think about it uh, more in a, in a long, long-term fashion. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I guess let's switch gears just a little bit. Um, I want to talk about sourcing uh, your, your ingredients. Um, and uh, you guys have got lots of content on your website um, about uh, the, the care and the time, the effort that goes into uh, sourcing the, the highest quality ingredients. Um, and it looks like uh, you get you get uh, a bunch of your ingredients from New Zealand. Is that right? So the beef comes from yeah Tasmania and Southern Australia. So oh, okay. Okay. Um, that's where all the beef comes from. And then we have, we actually use venison, which comes from New Zealand. Um, but we use a lot more beef than we do venison. We have a single venison skew and then we have four um, beef skews now. Actually make that five. We have five more. <laughs> so um, yeah, the bulk of our, the bulk of our protein use is between beef and then turkey. So turkey is all domestic here in uh, California and Minnesota. Okay, so when when uh, considering the the quality and really looking for the best suppliers and and manufacturers um, for for a food product like this, um, how do those decisions uh, affect you know things like like your lead times or your cash flow? Um, it obviously leads to to a better um, better product quality. Um, but I'm just curious about, you know, some of the things that you guys have to consider um, when obviously going after some of these uh, premium ingredients and, and uh, premium sources. Yeah. So you hit the nail on the head on that timeline piece. Because, I mean, when you're sourcing from Tasmania um, and you're buying container loads of, um, of beef, it takes a very long time to get here. Um, what we were doing, actually, it takes about two weeks, by the way. Um, and okay. Well, that's shorter have, than, than I would have thought, actually. I thought it might might take a little bit longer, but two weeks. Yeah, that's actually the shortest. It's at least it's at least two weeks, but it'll be it can be longer, like three like three weeks. But you mean two weeks to a month, actually, depending on what you know the time of year. But what we've actually been able to kind of get around that by getting in, in um, domestic distributor that handles all of the actual importing of the product. So they handle two things for us. So they bring in the product and they, they store it and they slack it out. So this, this distributor is actually about maybe, uh, it's about an hour away from our plant in Missouri. Mm-hmm. He's also in Missouri and he holds on to, you know, whatever, however many pallets of beef that we have when we're, and what he'll do is just slacks it out, which is thawing it out, getting it ready and, uh, for production. So when the, when he pulls up and he delivers it to my, my uh, manufacturer, it's already to temperature. It's ready to go right into processing. Um, because if you have frozen beef that they you try to go and put in our grinders, that does not work well. Um, and it causes a lot of different things with, with shrink and all of that. So yeah, what you want to be able to do is we get the, we get the beef to a certain spec. And at that point is when we want to deliver it to the manufacturer. Okay. Awesome. And, uh, from your manufacturer, then where, where does that get delivered to? So the manufacturer is actually going to make the sticks. He's going to put them in the wrappers and then pack them into our caddies, uh, put them in case boxes. And then he ships that over to our Chicago warehouse. It's another USDA facility. 
And at that, that point, what we do is you let the product sit there for about 30 days. And it, it, we call it an incubation process when it really just kind of sits there. And, um, mm-hmm. and it's in dry storage. So it's that room temperature. And then at, after 30 days, we do a hand inspection. So we, hand, we literally hand inspect every single stick that we made. So if we just made three or four million, uh, million uh, sticks for that, that month, we go and hand inspect three and four million sticks. And right. uh, wow. it's to be a, it's a huge undertaking. It's a, it's very expensive to do. Um, but it's something that we choose. It's how we choose to, to invest our money. Sure. And then from, from that warehouse, does it end up going, uh, do you guys use fulfillment centers, um, or, or is, um, that warehouse in Chicago where everything gets uh, shipped out of? We do. We actually use other, so we have another, uh, so from Chicago, we can act from that Chicago warehouse, we can actually do palletized or truck truckload orders. Um, and so we ship those to, it could be distributors to the grocery stores. Uh, so Unify, Cahey, uh, McLean. Um, and then we also ship over to a third party order fulfillment website, um, uh, order fulfillment partner that warehouses product that's only for direct consumer mm-hmm. and smaller retail partners. So if they're shipping like a case or might, might be like up to like 15 cases, of product, it could come out of that warehouse, but anything, anything half a pallet or larger is going to come out of our uh, Chicago warehouse. Okay, awesome. Well, um, uh, what is what does the future hold for for Chomps? Is there anything uh, in particular you're excited about? There's a lot that we're excited about, um, but yeah, we've got some innovation in the pipeline, which I can't talk about yet. I'll be happy to share with you when when it's uh, when it's going. But um, you know, we're, right now though, what we're trying to do is just stay laser focused. We had three of our biggest launches that we've ever had, um, like Sprouts, Whole Foods, Kroger, Walmart. Um, and we have some big ones coming up this year as well. And, um, you know, so we're just looking to, to keep our heads down and, and execute. Um, but at the same time, we want to be able to continue just building our brand and um, making a bigger impact and, and really telling our brand story and our reason for being and all of those good things. So, um, a lot of that for this year, we're going to tell that story with added content. So content's key right now, especially with people, uh, so many people being home, working from home, shopping from home and all that. We want to make sure that we're meeting our customer where they are, uh, and continue to tell our story. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And congrats on the, on the success. Um, so let's, uh, let's get to the quick, uh, fire round. I'll just ask you a question. You just t- give me a, a quick answer. Um, name one tool or resource uh, that you use to run your business. Recharge. Recharge. What's that? Recharge is a Shopify app that's used for subscription. Okay, nice. Uh, what is one book uh, that you that you feel has helped you the most in your product journey? So this book's called Upstream. It's Dan Heath, and uh, it says the quest to solve problems before they happen. So it's uh, this is actually a book that my I have a leadership coach that uh, we've been working with for a few years now. She's amazing, but this is a book she recommended to me that I've been reading and it's, it's awesome. Cool. We'll make sure to put a link to the book uh, in the show notes. Um, what is uh, one piece of advice that you would give your 21-year-old self? Stay focused. Do Pick one thing and do that to the best of your ability and try to be the best at it, right? Um, if I look back when I was 21, I was doing way too many things, had my hands in... Uh, 
you know, way too many opportunities and just unfocused. And I feel like I would have been much more successful if I would have just uh, focused on one thing. Okay. Who is one person in the world that you'd love to take to lunch? Hmm. Today, I would actually probably say like Tim Ferriss. I like that guy. He's a, he's a pretty good. I've, I've been following him for a very long time. Um, and this changes all the time, by the way. I've been asked this question before, but for today, I would say Tim Ferriss. Right. I love uh, Tim Ferriss as well. I've been following him uh, since he began, actually, since the beginning. Um, and um, I think you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but what, what's your situation? You single, married, kids? I'm married. Married, two kids. Okay, nice. All right. So as we wrap up here, I'd just like to ask you if there's any advice that you'd give to people um, who are currently grinding it out in the world of physical products. Yeah, again, I, I would definitely do whatever you can to stay focused. Don't get excited about that next shiny thing, that next opportunity. I would say if you have something that's working, continue building that up to scale um, before you, you try to add any kind of line extensions or, you know, adding or building the brand. Um, in my mind, I just feel like if, you, again, if you could just focus on that one thing and be the best, it's going to serve you well. Awesome. And uh, is there anything that you want to uh, promote or plug? Chomps, man. Chomps.com. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, I, I will say, actually, if you follow our social media account, um, where there's one uh, charity or nonprofit that I'm, I'm really excited about partnering with in, in February. It's called Harboring Hearts. Um, so they, their focus is um, working with people that have had heart conditions um, and they'll go and actually, um, they raise fun, funds for, for these, these, um, it's basically heart condition patients is, and there's all different types of heart conditions involved there. So harboring hearts, I would say to check that out. Um, very important to us. Okay. And, and Peter, if anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to contact you? Email Peter at chomps.com, or you can uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. Very easy to find. Okay. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, it's been great talking to you. You've got a great story and, and your product's uh, top quality. So I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good All right, Good luck with everything. See you. Bye. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io and then make sure to search for physical product movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening. Real quick before this episode starts, I want to ask you, are you still using spreadsheets to manage your inventory, suppliers, co-packers, and production? Unless you're a wizard with sales and formulas, you can only grow so much with spreadsheets. When you're selling on your website, in retail stores, in online marketplaces, and more, it gets hard to track your inventory levels. Stockouts become a regular occurrence and fulfilling orders keep you awake at night. Use Fiddle instead. Our software is built to help CPG businesses like yours scale more easily with constant insight into your inventory and production at all levels. Go to fiddle.io to learn more and schedule a personalized demo.